Welcome to the podcast for the North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. Now let us turn to this week's scripture and sermon, and let us begin with a prayer. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, let us meditate upon these things. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel. Those of you who have been hanging around this place for a couple of weeks know that we are talking about the practices of the Christian life that shape us and form our lives when we put them in our bodies. And today's practice that I want to commend to you is called prayer. Listen to the scripture from Matthew from chapter 6 beginning in verse 5. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the congregations and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to God who is in secret. God, who is in secret, sees you and will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases, as some Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for God knows what you need even before you ask. That is the word of God. For you, the people of God, we say, thanks be to God. I want to be uh, as transparent as possible with you this morning. I do not like to pray. There are a lot of things in this world that I don't like. I don't like swimming. I don't like the way the water gets in my ears. Amen? (laughs) I don't like yogurt or mayonnaise, or sour cream. Amen? Thank you. I don't like movies. I don't like SEC sports. Thank you. Now, I know you good people will forgive me for all those things, but a pastor who doesn't like to pray, what is that about? Like, isn't that a prerequisite for the job? So now I'm going to have to explain myself. I'm going to talk a little bit about my prayer life this morning, and maybe along the way, I hope you will see and hear some things that you identify about your own experience of prayer, and it might help you in your practice of prayer. So let's begin by saying that prayer is one of the weirdest things that human beings do. It's weird. 
Now, in one sense, prayer is super normal. In a sense, it's just a conversation. And you and I have conversations all the time with each other. But prayer is a particular kind of conversation. You're talking with someone, of course, but that someone that you're talking to is God. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of the universe. When you are talking to God, there is no proof, A, that God is listening, and B, there's no proof that God even exists. Now, I'm a parent, so I know what it feels like when you're talking to someone and you're pretty sure that they're not listening. But I never doubt that my children who are sitting there ignoring me actually exist. Talking to God is weird. It's one thing to talk to God. We, we call it prayer, but if you want to be respectable in the eyes of others, don't even try and tell people that God talks back to you. But this is what we do when we pray. Prayer, conversation with God, is one of our fundamental faith practices. But it's one that's fraught with all kinds of ambiguities. Now, it's not that we don't know how to pray. I think we do know how to pray. The disciples in this passage, they ask Jesus how to pray. They ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. Jesus teaches them what? The Lord's Prayer, right? We learn the Lord's Prayer. All of us do. We trust that certain words work well in our prayer life. It's good to learn those words. We teach them to our children. We share them with each other. But don't think for a second that using the right words automatically makes prayer work. It's not really all the time even about the words. Look at the Lord's Prayer, for example. How did you, what, how did you learn the Lord? What's the first line of the Lord's Prayer? What is it? Say it out loud. Our Father, who art in heaven. Why do we say that? Why do we learn it in the King's English? Do you use those words in your daily conversation? Do you say to your partner, oh, honey, where art thou? Art thou in the kitchen? Like, we use these words and as though they're like special, super holy-sounding words, but we end up hiding behind them, right? It's not really about the words. Some of us turn to other people's words to help us because we can't come up with words on our own. People who are, quote-unquote, better at praying than we are. There are books and books. I have shelves full of books at home. There are people who have great prayers. John O'Donohue, great prayers. Uh, John Philip Newell, awesome prayers. Ted Loder, one of my personal favorites, fantastic prayers. They're beautiful, but at some point, you, you only get so far in prayer using other people's words. Something in me understands that you can't use borrowed words for your prayers with God. You, you can't use a script you can't use someone else's words to have a conversation. You have to find your own words to pray. Now, I've tried. I've tried for a long, long time. I, I used to keep a daily quiet time where I would pray. I've journaled my prayers. I've written them down. Uh, I've taken walks. Uh, I, I've kept prayer lists on my iPhone. I'm always afraid that my prayers are a disorganized mess, so I rely on that famous acrostic, or the, the, uh, the Acts Adoration Confession uh, wait, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Acts, A-C-T-S. So that way my prayers won't be in a disordered mess, because of course a disordered mess of a prayer is not a good prayer, right? But Anne Lamott, uh, you know this, Anne Lamott a couple years ago came up with an even simpler way of organizing prayers. All prayers, she said, could be organized into help, thanks, and wow. 
right? And that's a great thing to teach your kids when you're teaching them how to pray. Even then, it still feels like a lot of time when I pray, I'm just stacking up words just to feel uh, like I'm doing something holy or doing something meaningful. I feel like the hypocrite uh, or the person in Jesus's, uh, this Jesus's singling out here, the one who's heaping up empty phrases just to impress God. Maybe words aren't the way to pray at all, right? A number of you have taken up the practice of silent prayer. We call it contemplation. Truly, silence is its own remarkable prayer language. The same way that we can communicate non-verbally with each other, I know we can communicate non-verbally with God. Some of you ain't no way you're sitting in silence. You're too nervous and fidgety. So you can use objects to help you pray. Rosary, uh, our Catholic friends use rosaries. Awesome way to pray. You can use the body's gestures like words. You can walk a labyrinth. You can walk on a forest trail. You can walk down a city street and pray with your body. I've tried all these things. How many of you have tried multiple ways of praying in your life? Yeah. We try all of these things. And one thing is consistent. It's that Prayer has never gotten easier for me. Never. It's made me think there's something wrong with me. Now, there's a lot of things that are wrong with me. <laughs> let's, let's get that out there. But I think my feelings and my experiences with prayer are actually pretty normal, maybe even healthy. I think the genuine and honest prayer is hard work. Here's why. When you are praying, anytime you are praying, you are asking questions that don't have obvious answers. Two big questions come to mind. Number one, to whom am I praying? And number two, what should I say? Let's take those questions in that order. To whom am I praying? That question calls you to account for your image of God every time that you pray. Who is it exactly that you imagine is on the listening end? When you have a conversation with another person in your life, you do it to deepen that relationship, right? You're not, not just talking to hear yourself talk. You're trying to deepen a relationship and conversation. Conversation requires a leap of empathy. It requires you to lean into the inner life of your conversation partner. Conversation is a, a full body leap into the inner reality of your partner. That's good conversation. So what does that mean for your prayer life? How do you leap into the inner reality of God? I've said to y'all before that I am super jealous of uh, my former colleague, the the late Reverend Dr. Florence Pert, who worked with me at Marble Collegiate Church. She was this five-foot-tall, red-headed, southern-drawled spiritual powerhouse. And she would say that she would sit in her wing chair in her living room and that Jesus would sit in the wing chair across from her and they would have conversation with each other. I've said to you, I'll say it again, Jesus has never once sat still for me to have a conversation with him. Not yet. So I've tried to pray to Jesus, I've tried to pray to God, but God uh, feels awesome and yet somehow distant to me. So mostly when I pray, I pray in and through the image of the Holy Spirit. I imagine the Spirit of God engaging me in conversation. Now, maybe I'm the only one who overthinks prayer like this. And you all are just like, hey, God, what's up today? How's it going? But I don't think you can have a conversation, not a real one, with an abstraction. And you you can't pray to an abstraction. When you pray, God has to become an existential reality for you. 
One who can be known and who can engage with you in the here and now. So every time you pray, you have to decide again and again and again that you are not alone in the universe. There is a holy other. There is one who is the creator of all of this, who created you in God's own image, who became incarnate perhaps in Jesus, who is reconciling even now all things as spirit. To pray is to be in conversation with one who has searched you and known you, who is acquainted with all of your ways. That's who you're in conversation with. That's wonderful and scary and amazing, but it's not easy. So once you figured out when you're praying who you are praying to, you've got to figure out what to say. What do you say to God? I know we're not supposed to be self-conscious, but try telling me not to be self-conscious, right? We're not supposed to be self-conscious when we pray. The scriptures say, ask and receive, knock and the door shall be answered, etc., etc., etc. But you know you know, and I know, that not every prayer is as good as any other. There is no way that God wants me to pray for a parking spot so some other poor sap can drive around and around and around in circles. Jesus said, don't pray like the hypocrites. That's a strong suggestion that not all prayers are created equal. So on the one hand, you're trying not to sound too holy sound. You're trying not to be too holy sounding. Like trying to be conscious not to ask God for things that you have no intention of following through on. But on the other hand, you're trying not to be too selfish, trying not to ask for things you know you don't need when there are other people who need far more than you. So what do you ask for? What do you say to God? Well, that, that to me is the hidden genius of prayer. Sitting with the ambiguity of what to pray for is part of the power of prayer. The reflection that you bring to that question of what to pray for is, is how prayer ends up changing you for the better. Let me explain how this has worked in my own experience. So I try in my prayers to be honest with God. Good luck, David, but I try. And so I share in my prayers the ongoing internal monologue of my head and my heart. We all have this monologue, right? Amen? Yes, you have it right? It's us. It's our story. It's the voice of our conscience. You and I are always inside of us narrating our hopes and our dreams, our anxieties and our loves. This monologue is the wellspring of your prayer life. It's the source for the content of your prayers. In prayer, you take this inner voice your conscious and your unconscious mind, and you offer it to God in honest conversation. You tell God what you're thinking and what you're feeling on that day. Tell God when you are confused or elated or exhausted. Tell God what wounds you are nursing. Tell God what you see around you in the world that troubles your spirit. You ask God to help you with the things that you are struggling with, and you thank God for the gifts of that day and for all of the beauty that you get to experience. Your inner monologue, offered in prayer, becomes a dialogue. When I say dialogue, I don't necessarily mean that you will hear a voice from God in response. Some people do. 
They say about four in ten people out there have heard God's voice at some point in their lives. I'm one of the six who hasn't yet. But that doesn't mean when I offer my inner monologue to God that I don't get anything back. In fact, something wonderful happens in this give and take. Mother Teresa describes it well when asked about her own prayer life. She was asked, when you pray, sister, what do you pray for? And she said, not much. Mostly I listen. So the reporter had a great follow-up question. What does God say to you? And Mother Teresa said, not much. Mostly God listens. I don't think she's being coy. She's observing that our encounter with God in prayer is not a one-sided heaping up of requests or grievances or nice-sounding words. Yes, of course, we share with God what's on our heart on that day, but a good amount of our time in prayer is simply time spent listening for God. Be still, the psalm says, and know that I am God. Over time, you begin to be selective in your prayers about what you share. You sift through your own thoughts, and you offer to God the things that are important. You offer to God the things that will connect you with your conversation partner. And then you listen. Sometimes, sometimes you do hear God speaking back to you. You may hear all kinds of things that God might say to you, things like, it's going to be okay, or, yes, you are forgiven, or simply, I love you. When you listen to God, when you really listen, what always happens, what always happens, though, even if you don't hear that voice, is that you develop a curiosity about God. You long for a deeper understanding of the one with whom you are in conversation. Over time, you come to understand what God cares about. Human dignity, the integrity and the goodness of this creation, the need for us all to share compassion with each other. The more time you spend listening to God, the more the character of God comes to shape your character. Listening, listening to God brings you to a place of deeper self-acceptance. It gives you an inner strength. And it will give you a peace that passes understanding. None of that is easy. But it's always worthwhile. Prayer at its heart is a way that you and I can seek an integration between the reality that is within us and the reality that is beyond us. Martin Luther King said, I believe there is a personal power in this universe that works to bring the disconnected assets of reality into a harmonious whole. That personal power he was speaking about is prayer. As you and I and all of us are trying to reboot our lives after this time of disorientation 
and in this time of persistent divisions among us. Would it not be beneficial for each of us to dedicate our lives to a practice that could, in time, bring the disconnected assets of reality into a harmonious whole? If your answer to that question is yes, go into your room and shut the door and pray for the God who is there in secret will hear you and reward you. Let the church say amen.